welcome to Let's Talk Diz, a show that gives you everything you need to know to help make your Disney vacation as magical as can be in just about 20 minutes. I'm your host, Jeff Coviello. With me each week is Disney Master Sandy from Easy Diz by Instant Impressions Travel Services. Sandy, how are you doing today? I'm feeling a little hungry as I'm reviewing my notes for the show. Oh, it's never a good idea to record while hungry. What is it? Is this a rookie mistake for you? I mean, I thought I thought more of you there. I thought you would have figured that out. Uh, tonight is our second episode in our Epcot dining series. We're going to talk about sit-down dining tonight. It's a it's a significant task that we're about to, to undertake tonight because there are so many options. But remember, this is going to be the second show in in our Epcot series about sit-down dining specific. Are you prepared? I am. You know, that's why I'm hungry because I'm remembering all my favorites. But again, I think the biggest thing that we can say is we did an episode on dining in the park for Magic Kingdom, one for Animal Kingdom, and one for Hollywood Studios. And each park was one episode. Correct. This is three episodes just dedicated to Epcot and not even touching on all the festival food because there are just so many Epcot options. So here's kind of what we're going to do a long, long time ago, many, many moons ago. Uh, I did the the have a drink around the world experiment and, and the shirts that my wife so beautifully made was keep calm and make it to Mexico. So we're going to kind of start and kind of follow that route, if that's all right with you, kind of just as you're walking in there and, and making the right. Does that work for you? That's perfect. All right. So how would you like to begin? What are some of your first tips before we actually hit even the first pavilion? So... The very first tip is, again, this is sit-down dining, and 99% of sit-down dining requires advanced reservations. Yes. Reservations are going to open 60 days prior, 6 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. If you're an on-site guest, reservations for your entire stay can be made at that 60-day mark. If you're an off-site guest, you need to make reservations every day. That's not to say that things don't open later as people's plans change. But one thing that I think I've talked about before is my version of dinner time and Disney's version of dinner time don't always jive. No, mine either. Disney's dinner time, depending on park hours, dinner can start as early as 3.30 with a late seating in Epcot for a 10 p.m. dinner. So that's a big time frame. So you definitely want to kind of have your plan of attack. One thing that they have added in the last year that I do like is if you didn't make any sit-down dining reservations and you really want one, when you're close to the restaurants, instead of going up to the podium and asking if there's availability, go into that My Disney Experience app, type in, use a little magnifying glass, type in the name of the restaurant you want. And if you're close enough, there is an option that says, add to the wait list for walk-up seating. If they're full and everybody's shown and they're at capacity, it will say wait list not available, but otherwise you can add yourself to the wait list and it'll tell you an approximate number of minutes till your return time. So a great way to get in last minute, easier to do, for two and three people, 
impossible to do for parties of 12, 14, and 16. So keep that in mind. <laughs> All right. So here's how I'm going to try to tackle this. And for folks that are listening, you understand exactly why. I'm going to attempt to do this with as, as much brevity and speed as possible while paying respect to each location that we have. We're going to start with Canada and Le Cellier is in Canada. Give us your breakdown of, of why that's a place to stop and, and spend some time. So I think of it as the original home of the pretzel bread, which we've all come to love and we can find mostly in our local supermarkets and their beer cheese soup. That said, they are supposed to be known as a steakhouse. <laughs> yes, yes, they are Le Cellier Steakhouse. They're not Le Cellier, home of the Pete pretzel bread and beer cheese soup. <laughs> I will say the restaurant is a little bit on the darker side. No great view. Good steak, not necessarily best steak on property, but I do love their kids' dessert. It is a chocolate mousse, which... There are lots of moose up in Canada, yeah. and the ears on the moose are maple leaf sugar cookies, which is their national treat. Uh, let's make our way away from Canada over to the UK. The Rosen Crown is one of my favorite places to go be just because of the theming and obviously because I can get an authentic shandy when I walk in the door. So that's a big piece of it, too. What are your thoughts on that particular location? It has some great entertainment. There's a piano player there most hours. They do a great um, tea tasting in the morning. That is a reservation specific for the tea versus the restaurant. They're also known for fireworks viewing. And I will say, depending what is going on in Disney when you're traveling, it used to be first come first serve around dinner time to be an outside seating that would have a great fireworks view versus inside. Now they are using some of the patio specifically for a fireworks dessert party. So check with your agent, check carefully on the app so that you don't think you're booking this restaurant and gaining the view when that's not going to be an option for you. But like I said, too, if you are looking for a, a pub-like experience in Epcot, that's definitely there and a really, really great fish and chips. So th those are my recommendations for you. Uh, as we keep walking, we ended up hitting France. There are a couple of different options in France. So many to talk about. Where would you like to begin? And we'll cover France again in our quick service. Between the quick service and the sit-down, there is more dining in France than any other country in Epcot. So I'll begin with Chef de France, which is really a traditional French restaurant. Jeff, I know you were talking earlier what your family loves about it. Well, as, you, as you're sitting there, and it, it's interesting because it's the little bit of Disney that comes in there is there, there's a, a very, very obvious cast member walking around with a, a oversized plate, and then they take the top off, and Remy happens to be dancing around on the, on the plate as he comes around to your table. So a little bit of character theming there. If you're trying to picture this restaurant, if you've been to Epcot, as you're walking around the World Showcase, it is the glass restaurant right across from the lake. So again, you can get a little bit of a fireworks view from there. The other thing upstairs from it, the signature restaurant, Monsignor Paul's. And we've talked about signature dining before. And, you know, that is really the upper echelon of dining. There tend to be more unique options. Again, I mentioned it as signature. We are hoping that we see the Disney meal plan return very soon. And 
this signature dining is something really that implies price. Right. Um, the menu items are more, they tend to be, you know, the higher cuts of beef, the more upscale seafood. And so they count as two sit-down dining credits because it is so unique. They often also will do their a fixed menu. So again, check what's going on. This is a great date night restaurant if you're looking for something unique. And now with the expansion of that pavilion, they added what was going to be a quick service slash sit down. They couldn't quite figure it out. It's now a sit down reservations required restaurant. It shows as a prefix three course meal, but they will let you do individual ordering off of there. Unlike most of the other prefix restaurants, it is all about the crepes and they are the same crepes you can get with the fast food, but sweet crepes, savory crepes. There's a chocolate one to die for a cheese one. Definitely something worthwhile. Highly recommend everything they've got to offer there. But we continued around the World Showcase and end up in Morocco, where there are a couple of different options. The first of which, um, I guess the original one, is Restaurant Marrakesh. I know my family has been there often. One of the coolest things I think about that particular location is that they actually have an authentic belly dancer in the middle of the restaurant performing while you are enjoying the food. In full disclosure about Marrakesh, we are recording late April 2022. Marrakesh is closed. There was lots of rumors about it not reopening. One of the unique things about all of these restaurants in Epcot that it's kind of a behind the curtains little peek. The majority of them are not owned by Disney. Correct. They are owned by private restaurants. They lease the space from Disney. They participate in the Disney dining plan. You can room charge and they give that impression that they are part of Disney when really they're kind of not. And Marrakesh closed. There's been some issues with their lease and there's been a lot of talk. Is it reopening? Isn't it reopening? It's not reopened at the moment. Um, but they did very recently file for some permits for work to be done in the restaurant. So we are hoping that it is back on track and we will see it again soon. But it's not the only sit-down dining experience in Morocco. It is not. Just a few years ago, they added Spice Table Road. It does not have that entertainment feature. It is more light bites though a full menu and a great spot it is right on the water so whether you're having lunch and just enjoying that water view and spaceship earth or you're able to really time it well and get a nice fireworks view it's another great option i will say moroccan tends to be one of the much easier ones to get a reservation at you need to be a little bit more of an adventurous diner to eat there so as we, as we make our way past Morocco, you talk about adventurous eating, and I know that the person that I'm speaking with is not typically hung up on sushi, but I am. So as we hit the, the, the Japan Pavilion, we have a couple of options here. Let's talk about them. So this is really one of the only restaurants on Disney property that I have not eaten at, partly because I'm struggling with the menu. And partly because it opened right before COVID and has not reopened. Um, Takumate, a small experience restaurant, very unique, very upscale menu. 
Um, most of the main courses are 50 to $100. There's a couple in the high 40s, but it's definitely a higher end option. It is an almost exclusively seafood menu. Um, there is a beef with a duck mix, but very upscale. But everybody I know who has eaten there has loved it. So if you are into that upscale Japanese, this is going to be for you. The other restaurant there is really a go-to that I send a lot of my clients to, and that is Tempanito. It is traditional Japanese hibachi cooked to order in front of you. So while it may not be exactly what you get at home, I am sure back at home, they're not making Mickey Mouse out of the onions, <laughs> as well as the tower that steams. I call it an experience restaurant because the kids are really involved in watching the chefs cook in their little act while they're cooking. And the kids really can be entertained so that you can take a breath for five minutes. Well, and I had mentioned sushi before. Also, there there are some limited sushi options at this particular restaurant too. Things that you would expect, the California roll, spicy tuna rolls, things like that, sashimi samplers. So don't feel like if you're going just for the hibachi that you will miss out on that. If that is something that you're interested in as well, it does have that for you. We we continue walking and we get to the American Pavilion, and it's kind of a goose egg there for us. It, you know, it is, and I thought it was important that we say there is no sit-down dining there. I think that's because, honestly, if you do a little bit of Googling, things that people think of as American food are not. Here's a hint. French fries, they're not American. Pizza, <laughs> well, not American. Right, 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 right. Taco Bell in the middle of Epcot was not what anybody was going for. Very American, though. I will say that. But unfortunately, you know, we can kind of segue away from from that and go over to Italy where there are some significant options there as well. We are recording as two Jersey-based people where there's a significant amount of Italian food in this part of the country where we live. So we're coming from that perspective as well. But there are three Italian restaurants there that I know are very, very popular. Listen, nobody makes bagels or pizza like we do here in Jersey. Sorry, New, sorry, New no York. Sorry, New York, but that's just the reality. <laughs> um, but Tutu Italia is a great Italian restaurant. I do love it. But I will say, I think that over the years, people like those from the Northeast, where it's a whole thing about, you know, what is the water and how does that impact the food, as well as people who have... Italian heritage. I mean, I've had clients say to me, listen, nobody makes pasta like my Nona. We're not going there. Right, right. Um, years ago, they actually split off a small section of the restaurant because they weren't filling it. And you have Tutu Italia, which is the reservation sit-down restaurant. And then attached to it is Tutu Gusto, which they bill as a wine bar, but it is one of my favorites to walk up to and sneak into without a reservation. You can get anything on the Tutu Italia menu because it's coming out of the same kitchen. But if you're like me and you are a huge cheese fan, you can get phenomenal cheese boards where you pick your assortment and it is my favorite lunch. <laughs> also, because again, it's Disney, it's kids, it's family. We all know pizza is a safe go-to for a lot of Americans. So Via Napoli is their sit-down restaurant with authentic brick ovens in it and very popular for the pizzas and their Zeppeli desserts. 
And as we move past, we head over to Germany where we have a traditional beer garden experience. We do. And again, that's one of those great ones. If you're looking for an experience restaurant, they're going to have the Oompa band playing in the front. They've got a small dance floor. It is a buffet style restaurant. So you can kind of get out of your shell a little bit, try some things you might not have tried at home. The one caution that I do give people, it's not a bad thing, but it's a, you should know this type of thing in beer garden style. They are long tables that seat up to 10 people. If you are a family of four, you will be seated with other people. Right. And very different than we did not mention that when we talked about Tempanito. When you go to a Japanese restaurant and the table seats eight or 10, they gather eight or 10 people. They seat you all at the same time because the chef is going to come and cook for everybody at the same time. When you go to beer garden, you are not seated at the same time as your table mates. So you're going to sit down and there might be a family of four and then your family of four gets the middle and there's a party of two on the end. One of them is on their entree. One of them is on dessert. And you kind of sit down in the middle of this table and you're starting your own meal. Right. Again, if you're uncomfortable being close with other families and listen, there are people pre-COVID that don't want to do that. <laughs> if you're a single person dining, sometimes that's a little more of a unique experience. I do single dining in Walt Disney World all the time. But as a single diner, I personally don't want to be seated in the middle of a table with people at various stages of their food. Right. As we move on to China, we have Nine Dragons. And Again, as you said, we're in China. It is Chinese food. I will be honest. It is one of the ones that I have not eaten in very recently. Again, Jersey Girl, we can get Chinese food within five minutes of my house. I think I have six different Chinese restaurants. <laughs> and they're all good. <laughs> they're all good. So it's not my go-to in Epcot. But if you love Chinese food or that's the favorite of your kids and nobody else, you know, that's the meal that's going to make them happy. It's definitely good food. But as you're hearing from this episode, there's just so many good options. It doesn't often make it into my rotation. But it does have your traditional Chinese food fare. So if you're looking for things that you would see at a, at a local Chinese restaurant, or if you're somebody that lives in a part of the country where a P.F. Chang's is maybe where you go for Chinese food, you're going to find similar things on the menu there that you would find in one of those as well. As we head over to Norway. Norway is a fan favorite. It is coming back, I promise you all. And depending who you talk to, there is a great debate over how you pronounce the name of this restaurant. I have been taught that it is Akershush. It is That's a how Norwegian I would say it. restaurant. That's how I would in... say it. Akershush. I get all kinds of pronunciations <laughs> from people, and I have asked many times to make sure that I'm doing it right. Sure. Um, it's a little unique because, again, we said it's a sit-down restaurant, but it does start with a buffet that is appetizers. So help yourself, then a sit-down meal. And it is an absolute favorite because it normally has our Disney princesses dining with you. And unlike when we talked in a previous episode, the other big spot to see multiple princesses in one meal is Cinderella's Royal Table. Akashar's is a great meal and a lot less expensive. So if you're looking to get that princess character meal in, 
and you're looking to do it more budget friendly, not super budget, more budget friendly, Norway is the way to go. Well, I started this show by saying we had a shirt that said, keep calm and make it to Mexico. I don't know how calm we've been, but we are certainly now at Mexico where there is also no shortage of dining options. So let's break those down for folks. There are no shortage of options, but I have to say the names are also similar. It confuses people often. Yes. First, we have St. Angel Inn. That is inside the Mexican pavilion. Great atmosphere. You can watch the boats go by for the ride in the Mexican pavilion. You feel like you're dining outdoors in Mexico at night. Right. Great, again, experience type of restaurant. They start with traditional, as you would with Mexico, salsa and chips. And they make these great homemade chips that I love. I could just eat chips and then leave. <laughs> Hopefully again, not. That Hopefully was not. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, but I could. Yeah, so that was the St. Angel Inn. Across the way, out on the water, La Hacienda St. Angel. So we pick up that St. Angel part in the name. Again, Mexican sit-down. Great spot for viewing fireworks if you do a later dinner. However, the entire restaurant does not have a fireworks view, and it's not something that you are guaranteed when you make that reservation. Right. And again, just to add a little bit to that Mexican confusion, attached to that is La Cantina St. Angel, <laughs> which is a quick service option that we'll talk more about next time. But there are three different Mexican restaurants, all with St. Angel in their name. And all delicious. And like you said, I think when you go in that that Mexican pavilion, the first one, San Angel Inn, is really what you're thinking of the first thing. Like it, that, that's where you see the sky and the boats. Like, I think that's, that's the premier restaurant that you think of when you first talk about that pavilion for post for folks that are thinking about it, but there are several And if options. you haven't been to Disney in a very long time, that is the one and only original. The Correct, others yes. came along later, much later. Before we put this baby to bed, as we said, we will have a third show that'll be focused just on snacking. That's coming. What haven't we covered here as far as the sit down dining experience? The big misconception that we hear from guests all the time and I see on message boards all the time is that as long as you have a dining reservation, they will let you into the park. And that is just not true. You must have valid park admission. So it's your arrival day. You only want to do Tempanito for dinner. You're not going to do rides. You're not going to do fireworks. You're going to get to the gate. You're going to show them your Tempanito reservation, and they're going to let you in without a park ticket. And you're going to be very disappointed, and you're going to pay that $10 person no-show fee because you didn't make it to your dining reservation. Yeah. You must have a ticket to enter a park. Why? Because once you enter, they're not keeping track of you. Just because you say you're going right to the restaurant and leaving, there's really no way to know that for sure. Prior to the absolute explosion of dining options at Disney Springs, Epcot was the place to go for food. And in my opinion, the restaurants that we've just gone through still make it a very, very, very attractive destination to go and eat. That's not even talking about the festivals, but these are things that you can go and, and hit anytime you're there. I'm so happy that I ate before we did this show because otherwise I would be just craving those chips that you just described and some sushi. 
But Sandy, thank you for taking the time tonight to break all of these down. I really enjoyed it. I hope you did too. My pleasure. That's a wrap this week on Let's Talk Diz. If anyone you know could benefit from this or any show, please share on your Facebook and Instagram for other Disney fans to enjoy. And don't forget to reach out to the folks at Easy Diz by Instant Impressions Travel Services for any Disney destination. Make it a great week. And as always, keep making memories.